if you're always waiting to do something, you're never going to have those hands-on experiences and you're never going to grow. So I would say just go for it, go for it, go for it. Hi there, listeners, and welcome to the Recreation Therapy Podcast. Today, I had the awesome opportunity to speak with Megan Young, who is a writer, speaker, and creator of Grow Through Flow. We'll be talking about all her RT experiences and how it has helped shape her RT experience. Well, first of all, thank you so much for reaching out to me and wanting to do this interview. Um, <clears throat> I'm assuming you're <clears throat> Raphael. <laughs> yeah, <that would> be. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know who's doing the interview, but when I listened, I kind of binged through your podcast um, yeah. this week and I was like, it seems like it's just you doing or mostly just you doing the interviewing on the podcast. Um, as soon as we can get back in line to both doing it, then we'll both be back on it. Okay, cool. So let's start off with name and if you're comfortable where you work. Yeah. So my name is Megan Young. I, I've been a certified therapeutic recreation specialist now since the fall of 2012. Um, so eight years. And I've, I've worked all over the place. But right now I'm currently working as a rec therapy supervisor in a city parks and rec department. Um, and I've never done that before. It's a really cool position. We work with folks with um, differing abilities, physical, cognitive, intellectual, and we just get to do really cool stuff with them all the time. So uh, it's been an awesome experience so far. You said fall of 2012, you've been CTRS? Yeah, fall of 2012. So it'll make eight years this fall, if my math is correct. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's when I did it too. So yeah. I graduated 2011, and then I took it the following fall, I believe. Oh, my so we're goodness. Right, we're we're, right we're writing the checks at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> studying <laughs> everything. Yeah. Oh, cool. Same path. Yeah. So before you did community, you what were you doing? So directly before this position, I was working in Memphis, Tennessee, and I was working at with the company called Youth Villages, which is, um, they work with children and youth with behavioral health needs. And I was working specifically with girls, girls ages eight to 18 in a level four treatment facility. So it was a very different atmosphere from where I'm at now. Was it a difficult transition? I was ready for it. I, I loved the position I was in before. Um, I was definitely, I I had, for the first time in my career, experienced compassion fatigue and burnout. And although the position was wonderful and I learned a lot, um, I kind of figured out where my strengths really were. And I commend people who can work in that field for a very long time. I think that it's amazing. But also, you know, knowing what my strengths are and what I'm best how I'm best able to serve others, I knew it was time for me to move on. Oh, wow. That's, that's a, it, it seems like a great change right now. Yeah. Well, this position right now, you know, I, um, I'm working in a parks and recreation department and there's only two CT- CTRSs in the whole, um, within the city. And so I'm getting to work at a very different level, you know, instead of being in a treatment facility where people are 
mandated or sent there for healthcare purposes, people are choosing to come to us. So it's a very different level of commitment when it comes to programming. There's there's still some difficult things that come up and there's still some challenges, but it's it's just a very different way that I'm able to serve people as a rec therapist. No, you're right. There's definitely a difference when you're choosing versus somebody else choosing sometimes for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a pleasant change. Someday I would love to go back and work specifically in mental health. I think that that's a very strong passion of mine, but it's, it's just a nice, it's a nice break for me right now. And learning so much about compassion fatigue and burnout and knowing where I was about eight months ago, I think being able to take a step back and be in a setting where maybe you don't have as much pressure or you don't have as much heavy things to deal with all the time, you're able to gain better perspective on like what your strengths are and how you can best serve other people. How'd you realize that you were having the compassion fatigue and burnout? Oh man, I, (laughs) I was exhausted all of the time. I was, and I'm somebody who really prioritizes sleep and, um, taking, you know, self-care. Like I go to the gym quite a bit. I eat very healthy. I prioritize, you know, having good social connections, but I was just consistently exhausted. Um, and I was having a very difficult time being able to separate the things that I was hearing and seeing at my place of work, uh, separating that and not thinking about that during my home time. You know, I, I would wake up in the middle of the night with dreams and thoughts and my, you know, going to bed at night, my head would be spinning and it just, I did everything I could. I spoke to people. I even went to counseling and spoke to somebody about it to be able to, you know, hopefully work through it. And, and luckily I was like very, I had a very supportive uh, manager who was very understanding and a very supportive team that I was actually supervising at the time. I was a supervisor there as well, but I, I could just tell that my energy level and my ability to like my strengths were compromised in the, at that time. And I think that that's when I started doing a lot of research and learning into what compassion fatigue is, but also what burnout is. And they're, they're two separate things, but I was experiencing them both at the same time. Hmm. And what were you able to do to overcome that moment in your life? I think the first step of overcoming it, and, and I don't know if I'll ever overcome it. I don't know if people can overcome compassion fatigue. Um, I think it's awareness about it because I think there's going to be times in your life when your life is easy and everything is smooth and you're able to go on day to day. And then there's other times that, you know, whether it be at work with a friend, with a family member, with, you know, the political climate right now or the environment, like there's just so much going on that if you're not able to learn how to um, do what you need to do to work through those emotions, you can very easily become fatigued with compassion. Uh, So I think the first step is to always understand what it is, understand personally how it affects you, and then really understand what you need to do to be able to get back to how you want to be feeling. I think it's individual. I feel like at some point, at least through a lot of people that I've worked with, we hit a point where we do get some of that compassion fatigue. So I think it's important to let people know our experiences so that other people can also learn and try to pick up or, you know, they can identify it themselves and see how other people have tried to manage it as well. Yeah. And I think I've, I've read something recently that I thought was really interesting that really helping professionals and specifically healthcare professionals are almost coming into the field with like, um, was it residual compassion fatigue? Because 
like we're called to the field because we're caring people and we're compassionate people. So our whole lives leading up to it, whether through college, high school, like your whole life, it's like you're caring about other people that you don't really realize the toll that it takes on yourself. And so you're then going into the field. And if you're not taught how to properly uh, care for yourself and deal with those feelings, then it's just overwhelming starts to build up and then there's the also the secondary effects that can come out of it where you could start to feel some of the things they're feeling through mm-hmm. just interacting with them so there's a lot of things that can come in and you're right if you don't have the proper training then you can fall into it relatively quickly and so you, you'll have to then essentially work your way backwards trying to get out of it rather than being a little bit more prepared for it ahead of time yeah yeah and those you know as humans, we're going to feel so many different feelings. It's a huge spectrum. And sometimes we're going to feel awesome. And sometimes we're not going to feel awesome. Um, and so just knowing when those, when burnout and compassion fatigue comes up, that it's normal, it's okay. Just knowing like what supports you need in place to be able to work through it. Mm-hmm. And that I think is hope. I, I mean, I've been out of school now for eight years, but hopefully <laughs> universities and colleges are seeing that, especially with the high burnout rate in the healthcare field, that you know, we need to be teaching our students this. So when they go into the field, they're able to better cope. Yeah. So grow through flow, correct? Grow through flow. Yeah. <laughs> so did that come as a result or was it during or before um, you were having all these experiences? So grow through flow. I started in the fall of 2018. So I was currently working in Memphis uh, as a rec therapist there in the behavioral health treatment center. And not only was I dealing with that, I mean, like, I love the job, but I was dealing with, you know, a very heavy, demanding workload. But in my personal life, I was kind of dealing with processing the grief and loss um, of a loved one. I had a friend who passed away. Um, And so I I had all these heavy emotions. And being the rec therapist that I am, I was like, you know, it's probably time that I do something for myself, something that's going to help me work through everything that I'm going through right now, instead of just sitting with these hard feelings. I want to take that energy and start putting it towards something that's, you know, going to bring some joy into my life. Mm -hmm. And so I really thought about it. uh, And writing has been this tool that I've used mostly for myself. Like I've never shared that with anybody else. I just, I, I did a lot of creative writing and journaling and poetry and I thought, you know, well, what if I started a blog? Like, I don't know what I'm going to write about, but that'll be a good use of my energy right now. And so I started doing a little bit of research and figuring out, you know, how to start a blog and getting a website. And once I got that all done, I was like, all right, now what do I write about? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> um, you know, we got you know, hung up on the name for a while. That was our because we were working, it was uh, myself and Pashoda, and we were working, and yeah. on it. and so we were coming up with all these things, and then we got hung up on the name, and we had to settle because we were taking way too much time on just naming it when it was the content that we were trying to get out. Right, yeah, and that sometimes, it's like the smallest thing that it's, I don't want to say it's a scapegoat, because like, you want everything, you want everything to sound good and to look good on the outside, but I find myself, it's like, I have all the ideas and I have the things I want to share, but then I get caught up on like the smallest detail. I'm like, why? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think uh, naming and colors. Like, oh, what about these colors? What about those colors? And then we just, you know, we had to just keep moving forward. 
<laughs> yeah. But you guys recently changed your name, right? So or, you, or just the podcast? Yeah, so we changed the podcast name. I f- we felt that um, Rec Play Live, it, it, um, it was a good name to kind of start with, but then we wanted to be make it a little more identifiable. Mm-hmm. So then we, we went with just the basic Recreation Therapy podcast. Love it. Straightforward, <laughs> straight to yeah. the point. So then, uh, so that's how you started. Did you have a difficult time kind of coming up with all the background stuff, like, you know, finding your name, domain, all the good stuff that's the background that a lot of people may not get a chance to think about? Uh, do you know what? All the information, like, if you are dedicated to finding information, you can find it. <laughs> I know that's such a simplistic mm-hmm. answer, but. YouTube is a resource. You can Google anything and somebody has already asked the question. So it'll show up. Um, And I think a lot of it is trial and error. Like I started, I had to go back and change a lot of things on my blog because I I did things the wrong way. And, you know, I wanted to have plugins on my site, but then, you know, the WordPress account that I paid for didn't allow plugins. So it was, it's been a lot of trial and error. Um, and so I think, you know, I've, I've had quite a few people reach out to me through socials asking about it because a lot of people would like to start blogs and websites. And um, I, I love being able to share at least what I know until this point, because it is kind of difficult figuring that all out. But if you're if you're keen to find the information, it's there. It just takes time. Yeah. So I heard you're using WordPress. So are we. I love it. Yeah. It's yeah. It, it takes away the. I don't want to say coding part, but that, I mean, it does take away that part, but it makes it much simpler to try to get what you want to put across without having to have an extreme knowledge in something like coding, for example. Yeah, exactly. Which I have no experience in uh, and, and don't plan to anytime soon. And the cool thing about WordPress too, especially if you're in a bigger city, there's actually WordPress meetup groups across the country. So you're, yeah, here in St. Petersburg, I've gone to a few where it's just like you come in and they have a representative from WordPress and people just sit around and either discuss or ask questions. So I'll come in and be like, I'm having issues with my uh, email subscribe list pop up. And then there's like eight, you know, people in the room who are like, try this, try this. And it's been helpful wow. in that sense. Yeah. I'm about to go out and look for those then. I uh, I didn't know that there was any meetup groups, but. That's that's a good tip right there. <laughs> Insider scoop. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you get your ideas? So I'm going to separate it from like my socials and my blog because they're a little bit different. And when I say socials, the one that I primarily use is Instagram as of right now. It's it's it was the social media outlet that I was like pulled towards because I'm a visual person. Um, but for my blog, specifically the topics that I pick are geared at rec therapist. So, um, you know, I'm talking about program planning or evidence-based practice or other rec therapists on social media that you should follow or the, the best TED Talks for rec therapists. Like, I really wanted my content on the site this year to be for rec therapists because I remember starting off on my career and going on Google and trying to find information. Um, and there was information out there but there wasn't a huge selection. And so I just wanted to open up like another online platform where rec therapists could come and learn some information or at least connect with somebody so that we don't, because we're a smaller profession, it's, it's nice to not feel so alone. And I think the internet can be used for 
bad things, but great things in the sense that you can connect with people like we never have been able to before. So you're getting your ideas from just gearing it towards RTs. Yeah, I mean, I usually sit down with my cup of coffee. I'm a huge coffee fiend. And I'll, I'll have like intentional brainstorming sessions. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, brainstorms are a safe place. <laughs> that's yeah. what I always tell people. It's like, and that's what I tell myself. No idea is a bad idea. And I'll just have my notebook with me and I'll just start writing down ideas. Um, and some of them are horrible and I never would write about them. Um, but it might like put me onto the next idea that then I'm able to maybe use, or at least have that somewhere in the content of another post. So I I think think having time to just be a creative and brainstorm is really important in the process. I think sometimes I myself underestimate the, the brainstorm capacity because there's been times where I'm trying to come up with some stuff and I, I keep telling myself like no I, I can't get through it I can't get through it and then I sit down finally and I start brainstorming and then boom idea 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 and so they all just start kind of flowing out so you know I underestimate it myself yeah and I think one other little like I don't know if this works for everybody but it totally works for me is if I am able to be physically active and like intense physical activity, like go for a run or go to the gym, something happens in my brain that all of a sudden I have a trillion ideas. So if I can time a brainstorm session after some sort of vigorous physical activity, then it just like magnifies my ability to like create this list of stuff that I might want to create content on. Mm -hmm. All right. So we've talked about the website. I know you had Mm -hmm. briefly mentioned already that you're thinking about starting up a YouTube channel. Is that still on the plans? Yes. I'm so excited about it. Um, So my father actually has a YouTube channel, which is really random. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) for the longest time, he's, you know, he's always kind of encouraged me to go down that route because he, he really enjoys it. And I think he knows that eventually I would really enjoy it too. Cause I love connecting with people. I love sharing ideas. I love, you know, being able to educate and help others. And, um, so he's been, you know, for the past year while I've been learning this blog thing and how to use social media and how to connect with people online, he's been like kind of slowly being like, Megan, why don't you start a YouTube channel? Uh, so I finally kind of like bit the bullet and was like, all right, I'm going to start creating videos. I'm going to start practicing, talking into the camera and seeing what comes out. And what was interesting when I started thinking about my YouTube channel, it's slightly different from my website in the sense that it's going to be hopefully a great resource for rec therapists, but it's not necessarily only for rec therapists. My biggest passion and what I like to share most with people is learning and helping um, people improve their holistic wellness. And rec therapy totally aligns with that. I think that there's just topics that... um, will not only apply to rec therapists, but really anybody who's trying to improve their holistic wellness. Mm-hmm. Do you start recording already then specifically for the channel? I, I have. And wow, man, it's been, <laughs> it's been a learning process. I was so awkward at, on camera at, at first. And I think, you know, my first couple of videos, I'll look back some at some point in my future life and be like, whoa, I was a weirdo on film. But the more that you actually do it and the more that I force myself, no matter how awkward I feel to just sit down and record, 
every time I get a little bit more comfortable and every time I learn something, um, you know, about how I speak to the camera and about my little mannerisms that maybe I could tweak that a little bit so that my information oh, yeah. is more clear. I, yeah, I there's feel some- like when I started doing the the podcast, I I wasn't nervous until right before. So I don't know how noticeable it was after I recorded it, but maybe the first handful ones, you know, I, my heart would start racing. I would start to get really nervous right before we started recording. And I think it, I would I would work myself up because I would start thinking this is a permanent recording here. Like, yeah. This is this is it. Totally. And, you know, and, and hopefully I sound a little bit more natural now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you totally do. And I think that that's just the thing with all new, whether it be like a leisure pursuit or a new goal that you have for yourself. Like the first time you do it, you're probably not going to be great at it. Like everything. Like the first time I went snowboarding, I was horrible. I fell down the entire time. You know, by the second or third time, I was getting slightly better, but not like, you know, I wasn't doing any huge runs or anything. But by the 10th time, it was my favorite leisure activity of all time. And I love it now. And I think it's just having the stamina and the future thinking to be like, okay, this this kind of sucks right now. I don't like this right now. But if I can stick with it and push through it, there will be a breakthrough at some point. Yeah. Do you plan to publish those first ones? <laughs> Not all of them. <laughs> Maybe like someday if I do a blooper reel, <laughs> I'm like, or if I do a video, I'm like, you should start something. Look how far I've come. <laughs> Maybe something like that. Honestly, what I, what I really want to do and what I want to keep wherever this YouTube channel, blog, website, social media, wherever this pursuit takes me, I want to remain as authentic and as real and kind of share in real time where I'm at because. I'm, I'm learning every day and I know there's a lot of other people out there who are thinking about doing these things just like I was a year, a year and a half ago. And to have someone who's just like one, two, three steps ahead of you being authentic and sharing where they're at, like that has been so influential in my growth that I just want to be able to be that resource for other people too. So, you know, maybe I will share some of those videos that are really, (laughs) really bad for the sake of being authentic. Right now, going back to the social media, you're you're right that it it's different among the different platforms. So, and I didn't just being a casual user before uh, and not learning it a little bit more more in depth. I um, I didn't really see the differences too much. But then, like you were mentioning, Instagram's a little bit more visual. They use a little bit more of the hashtags. You know, Facebook. You know, they tend to have more. Um, where you could share posts or share things and um, it tends to be a little bit more where information that you're trying to share. Twitter, little snippet that, mm-hmm. that you're sharing for other people to so where you're communicating your thoughts. So each one kind of has their own difference that goes with it. Yeah, they're totally unique. And the more that I learn from people that are actually in the marketing field purposefully using social media, it's if you want to find success on social media, you need to meet the needs of that platform, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, w- if I write a post for LinkedIn, it's going to look different than a post that I write for Instagram and Facebook. And I don't use Twitter, but if I did, I'm sure it would look very different. Um, 
but knowing and learning also which one you're most drawn to. Like if you're a words person and you are just like really witty and able to get out something cool and like, I don't know what it is, like 150 letters, then Twitter is probably your jam. Mm -hmm. Or if you really like, you know, sharing other articles or having sparking conversation, then Facebook is probably where you're going to be. Um, I think Danny Petri of Rec Therapy Today does a great job on Facebook where he's um, constantly sharing cool articles on, you know, that people enjoy reading. And it's a good way for us to keep up on our continued education. But if you're somebody like me, who's just always been drawn to Instagram, I'm a visual person. I like seeing what other people post. I like seeing where they're at. I like being able to share where I'm at visually. Um, then I think that's, it's just knowing where your strengths lie and then playing to that platform. And then YouTube's a whole other <laughs> other thing because now you're going to, essentially it's moving pictures, but <laughs> videos. Yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole nother beast. And <laughs> I, I've honestly spent, I made the decision probably in October, I would say that I was, I was committing to YouTube and I was going to start this thing just diving deep and learning all about the platform, um, you know, by watching a lot of YouTubers um, who specifically teach how to use it or just see, like trying to find YouTubers that I'm like, okay, I like their style. How could I do something similar to that, but still speak in my own voice and say the things I want to say um, and lots of reading on it. So it's like taking the time. I'm all about diving right in. Like, don't wait, go, go for it, do your thing but also take some time for education as well. So you can do both in the process. And then if, you, if you're able to learn how to best succeed on that platform, whether it be a blog, social media, YouTube, then you're going to set yourself up for success and then hopefully want to stick with it longer. Mm -hmm. So as far as the, the YouTube portion, the, the video editing, are you using anything specific? Yeah, I've been using Adobe... Elements. Elements. What about uh, Premiere Pro? So it's like the lesser version than Premiere Pro. Mm -hmm. This is like the beginner's version. So Premiere Pro, it's a monthly subscription. And, you know, maybe in a year I'll commit to that. But Elements is, it's a one-time purchase of, well, I got mine on Black Friday for $70, <laughs> but <laughs> it's That's usually good. $100. And it's, it's just like, pro but much easier to use and it doesn't have all the same functions but it's perfect for a beginner so that's what I've been playing around with and learning and we'll see from there I didn't know that Elements was also an editor I'd heard of the name but I didn't really know what it was yeah yeah that's um it's a good place for beginners to start I think yeah I once upon a time learned how to use Premiere Pro so that was really all I knew from Adobe Oh, but you started off, you know, you were a pro. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, back in the day when I, I took a class and that was, that was what they showed us with. And so, I, but I learned in the, I think we were using like Windows 2000 at the time, or I really don't know. <laughs> some <laughs> old computer. So there might've been some updates, but you might know like the basic functionalities of it that still hold true. So. Oh yeah. Like I could, I could take a green or blue screen. I could change the background. That wouldn't be too difficult. That's one of the other things that I, I've learned throughout my life. Yeah. So it seems like you, outside of the world of rec therapy, you also have a lot of passions and, you know, this podcast and then potentially using video. Like you've kind of expanded yourself yeah. as well. 
Yeah, I think with the, the, the podcast, I think we only did one video, and it was like actually two short clips, but we didn't really get too much into it, um, continuing to putting out more videos. I think one of them was we have an annual uh, RT conference uh, out here in California, so we just kind of highlighted it, and so I did that. I did that with Adobe Premiere Pro, and then we did another clip. That one was maybe like a 10-second clip, but I edited that one out with that as well. But mm-hmm. it's good. It's good to change like the coloring scheme or to, if you wanted to play the video back backwards, slower. Like it allows you to do all the different extra things, uh, do some layers on top of it. But I'm not sure uh, how much depth element this has as opposed to Premiere Pro. Yeah, I don't know. I you know if I ever get to use Pro, I'll tell you the difference. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, as far as um, what your your plans are for all of these, what do you have? So, oh boy, I have so many plans. You know, so many plans, not enough time. Um, <laughs> what, I, what I'm going into early 2020 with is I really want to learn YouTube, start putting videos out there, start putting content out there, and kind of growing and developing that skill set. So the blog is going to go on the back burner for now. You know, like I love to write and if an idea pops into my head and I'm like, I need to write about this. I'm going to allow myself the space to do that. Um, but YouTube is going to be my primary mode of content. And are you keeping the same name? So I'm actually calling my YouTube channel Finding Flow with Megan Young. Okay. And it's just a little bit of an easier title. Um, but staying with the premise and the theory of flow but knowing that you can find it in different dimensions of your life. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's those. So it looks like you got your hands full for this year already. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> always. And then working on that self care. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely the, the type of human who burns the candle at both ends. So a big part of going into 2020 for me as well was being able to let some things go. Mm-hmm. Um, and simplify to magnify. So those are the two things that I'm really working on right now is my YouTube channel. Um, but simplify to magnify. There we go. Yeah, and editing takes a long time too, even for a small amount of video. Yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning there there's a lot of um a lot of small details that I didn't realize. It's like, oh, I don't know how to do this. I got to Google this. Or I don't know how to do this. I got to watch YouTube on this. So even though I'll set aside three hours to work on something, I'll see very minimal changes just because mm-hmm. it takes a while. It does. Uh, but it looks like you're getting there. Uh, and it looks like you got a lot of plans. And so I wish you the best on that. And all, Thank the, you. all the things that you've got working on you uh, for you. And do you have any other tips that you'd want to, or any tips that you'd like to have our listeners listen to? Sure. Um, What is a tip I'd love to give? I think if you have a calling, something that's been, you know, kind of knocking at your door and you've been thinking about doing something, whether that be take a training or start a blog or start an Instagram account, um, we spend so much time almost feeling like paralyzed that we're not going to be able to do it well. And I've been there 
and, you know, still, still kind of learning how to process those feelings, but we can get so caught up in wanting things to be perfect that we actually never get started. And so my tip and what I've learned in the past year and a half since kind of being vulnerable and starting a blog and putting myself out there when, even when things aren't perfect, um, is that it's okay. And that that's the best way to learn that if you're always waiting to do something, you're never going to have those hands-on experiences and you're never going to grow. So I would say, just go for it. You know, everybody makes mistakes. The pros all made mistakes. I've made countless mistakes and will continue to do that, but I'm just going to keep pushing forward because I know that's how I grow. So that you can grow through flow, right? Hey, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> if you like this episode of the Recreation Therapy Podcast, please do share on social media or with your friends. And don't forget to check out Megan's website at www.growthroughflow.com or go on her Insta at grow.through.flow.